Welcome to Season 2 of Living Fullness, a podcast where two friends explore what it means to live out the Christian life. My name is Dina Constantine. And my name is Father Sean Burns. And every week, we look more closely at deepening friendships, intentional relationships, growth in virtue, and nurturing our spiritual lives. We hope by sharing our learning, reflections, and experiences, this podcast will serve you in living your life to the full. If you found our podcast in any way helpful or it has served you in some way, would you please prayerfully consider whether you can financially support our mission via Patreon? Patreon is a platform that allows people to make a monthly contribution to our mission. Running a ministry has a number of costs, including website and software expenses, new tech purchases and paying editors. Your financial contribution will help us stay focused on putting out new content each week. So thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. We have varying tiers that you can choose from, including as little as $3 a month. And in return, we offer behind the scenes, bloopers, merch, mentoring, and more. We would love for you to join our community and hope you will consider joining us in helping one another to live life to the full. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of Living Fullness. How are you going, Padre? Well, thank you and yourself. I say that <laughs> like it's the most annoying thing on the planet Earth. Well, well oh. I mean, it's, it's, it's um, I have known, been known to be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, more recently, just before we started recording. However, <laughs> how are you legitimately? <laughs> uh, no, no, look, I'm going well. Um, uh, making preparations as we come to the end of Lent. Yeah. So yep, yep. Uh, making sure that everything is in order and everything's where it needs to be. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much me. How about yourself? Yeah, good. Things are settling at work for me at the moment, which is nice. Um, we have some exciting news coming out soon about the Virtue Ministry team, which is also kind of fun. Can't reveal anything yet. Spoiler alert. So uh, stay tuned on the VM social media pages for that. Okay. All right. Mm. We are we are staying tuned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, because we're, we're already now in, in Holy Week, uh, we thought that it might be good to talk about Holy Week from the from the Catholic perspective from because that's that's where both Senior and I sort of come from, but also to talk about it in a way that that I think will be um, open to anybody who's who's um, sort of, uh, of of any particular faith background so so we thought we'd, we'd start with um, Palm Sunday which kicks off each holy week and Palm Sunday is is you know it, when you look at the Gospel of John chapter 12 12 to 19 uh, we've got the crowds growing in preparation for the feast of Passover and and uh, they're anticipating Jesus arrival in Jerusalem uh, he comes in on a donkey which has never been ridden before and and they're laying palms down as he enters the city. Uh, so they're they're singing, uh, you know, Hosanna to the King, which which translates as as save us. And um, uh, you know, he he enters Jerusalem. It's a happy encounter, and at the same time, Jesus knew that he was going to be killed. Mm. Um, and so. With that knowledge, hearing "save us," 
must have been it must have been so both joyous and weighty on his heart in so far as he was about to deliver them mm. he was about to save them but also he was about to hear voices calling out to him crucify him yeah. crucify him yeah yeah so it must have been a mixed mm. bag you know yeah yeah um so on Palm Sunday, what we typically do as Catholics is that we have we have a ceremony outside of the church first, which is like a, a blessing of palms, and um, and a gospel is read, and the father gives a little homily, and and uh, and he's normally dressed in a what we call a, a cope, which is like a it's like a Catholic word for a cape, but we just want to be <laughs> fancy, and so we put an O in there instead of an A. Uh, but uh, uh, so we've 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 got a um, uh, this this red cope, and we 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 we. Um, pray uh, with the palms, and then we make a procession into the church. And Father then has a costume change, uh, for lack of a better word. <laughs> um, so he takes off the cope and gives it to some someone who will take it away and and put it somewhere. And um, and then there's a chasuble, which is like a external flowing garment, mm. uh, which he uses for mass, and that goes over his head, and uh, it, it's red in color as well. And so he has that, and he he puts it on, um, and then mass sort of begins. And in the context of mass, in the place of where the gospel would normally go, we have the reading of the Passion, and uh, that's done in parts. So there's someone who's the narrator, yeah. and someone who's the uh, the 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 pe- person who plays Peter and Judas and whoever yeah. else, and then there's the crowd, which is played by the congregation, and Jesus, who is played by Christ. Sorry, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, so Jesus, who is who is who is voiced by the priest, and uh, so that's that's um, what normally happens there, and and then after that um, sort of mass, uh, there's another hobbly because you know clearly. <clears throat> we want to bore people to death. No, just kidding. Sorry. Um, uh, because <laughs> there's another homily to break open the passion drama that we've just heard. Uh, and um, then mass continues as, as normal. So after Palm Sunday, we then have Holy Thursday, which is the Last Supper and the washing of the feet. So I'm just going to read a section from uh, John chapter 13, verse 14 through to 16. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. So really Jesus sets an example and a standard for the way that we ought to serve one another. Um, And he also in this standard tells us and shows us what leadership, what true leadership looks like because it's not about wielding all sorts of power against someone. That's not what true leadership is, but it's about the love that we give in the way that we serve one another. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And in this scene in the gospel, for Catholics, there are a number of things going on here. So firstly, there's, a, actually, there's actually a link here for us Catholics with priestly ordination. Um, and it's, it's a link that goes all the way back to Leviticus and, Leviticus and Exodus. Uh, so the first thing that we as Catholics would note 
is the Greek word that, uh, that, that, that is used for the word unless is a, a sort of a literary device that's employed by John to indicate that Jesus is talking about a fundamental change in the human being. So, for instance, in, um, in John chapter 3, verse 3, unless one is born anew, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So this unless seems to indicate a particular change in the person, that he's been born of the water and the Holy Spirit, and now as a result of that change, he can enter the kingdom of heaven. And so then... Uh, he says, you know, unless you let me wash you, Peter, you can have no part of me. It's like, whoa, that's what's going on there. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's some kind of a change. There's a, there's a transformation afoot into what? So Jesus' statement about this taking part, it actually harkens back to Numbers and Deuteronomy, uh, which indicate the part of the Levites Uh, the priestly people in the Old Testament, they shared a portion of the Lord and so they didn't have a share uh, of a a portion of the promised land. Uh, So the the priestly overtones here abound. So when we look at the book of Leviticus, um, we can actually see that there's a process for priests offering sacrifice for themselves and others. The high priest undresses himself and washes himself, his whole self, redresses, and then offers sacrifice. Well, Jesus is about to do a similar sort of thing. He will undress, he will take off his outer garment, and then he will wash others instead of himself, since he does not need cleansing because he's Mm. perfect. Mm. And he'll offer, he'll then go and redress and offer the sacrifice of himself. And in doing this, he gives the apostles a priestly example of service and also sacrifice, Mm. which are two essential elements of the priestly life. And then then, uh, going to Exodus, we read, Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tent of meeting and shall wash them with water. And he set the wash bowl between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing, with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet when they went into the tent of meeting. And when they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. So this consecration of Aaron is done in part by this action of washing. Uh, and so it is for the apostles. In this act of washing, this is sort of the, the essentially the moment of their priestly ordination. Um, and, and the other thing, of course, is, as you've said, Stina, is that there's, there's definitely this emphasis here on sacrifice and service. You know, the master shows them how they are to serve, not by lording it over people, but by mm. love. Um, and so I love the washing of the feet. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really cool. Yeah. 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 One of the things that stands out for me um, in the washing of the feet is sort of like if, if we go a little bit uh, a little bit past the washing of the feet, we note that there's two warnings that Jesus gives. You know, one's, one's a warning of there's a betrayal that's happening and the other is that there's a denial. So there's Judas and Peter that we, we know that something is going to happen here. But he doesn't say anything to the disciples about this until after he's washed his feet. That doesn't mean that he didn't know that this was already going to happen. And so there's, there's this moment that I imagine that Jesus has with Judas as he's washing his feet, knowing 
this is the friend that's going to betray him. Um, and then again with Peter, when he washes his feet, you know, this is the friend that's going to deny me, not once but three times in a matter of hours. Like it's, it's, hap- it's going to happen. And yet what we also know from the Gospels is that the Gospel writers tell us that the disciples didn't understand at the time what Jesus was saying. They, they didn't get who he was talking about when he indicated, you know, this would be the person that would betray me when, when they asked, who would it be, Lord? Mm. He, he spoke about it, but he didn't give enough away verbally or non-verbally for the disciples to figure out who it was. That to me says that even in the manner with which he washed Judas's feet and Peter's feet, there must have been such tenderness and compassion there for him not to let on that there was something going on or for there not to even be something for him to let on. Like, because this is the reason why he came. He knew his friends were going to fall like anybody. His friends were going to fall. There's going to be sin here. And that's exactly what he came for. He must have loved them so much. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I suppose one of the, one of the things I like about Holy Thursday is also the, almost like a replication of the Garden of Gethsemane that we have where once the evening sort of falls, there's a silence in the church, there's a few candles lit and everyone just is there with a mindset of when the Lord, when our Lord asked, you know, will you not watch one hour with me? With that mindset of, yes, you know, I'll I'll be here with you, Lord. I'll spend, I'll spend some time with you here, Lord. And, and I suppose also just going back to Lent too, you know, where Jesus does say the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. You know, Lent is also meant to help us to become better masters of our body as well so that um, not only our spirit but also our flesh is able to be able to do whatever is necessary, whatever it takes to do the will of God. Keep watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and And... I guess just to give people a bit of a, a bit of an outline then of what this Holy Thursday looks like. So mm. it starts as as any mass starts. So after the readings, and then after the priest has given his sermon, uh, we have the washing of the feet. Um, it's not a, a compulsory part of the rite, but it's it's something that often happens uh, during COVID times. We really haven't done it all that much, but but as COVID starts to lift a little bit, I think we might start seeing it appear a bit more. Um, so we've got this, this washing of the feet and then things kind of continue on as normal in a, in a Catholic Mass, um, followed by, at the very end of Mass, so after we, everyone's received Holy Communion, we process with what Catholics call the Blessed Sacrament, which is, um, we believe, the consecration in Mass, bread and wine become the body and blood of Jesus. Uh, well, the priest processes with that from the main tabernacle, which is like a big golden tent that we have at the, uh, in this, in the the uh, the main part of the the, the front of the church, um, and the the priest takes that and he goes in a slow procession to a different tabernacle, a different sort of gold tent, uh, and uh, he places that into this gold tent, and that's where Jesus stays for up until Saturday, uh, and it's very much to imitate, as you've just said the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus has been arrested. Mm. He's no longer where he normally is. Mm. You know? Yeah. yeah. Mm. So 
So you can, you might be able to start to see that that the way that we approach this week is kind of a it's meant to be a journey through what Jesus went through. Yeah, uh, we're we're meant to try and sort of relive it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's lots of symbolism involved when mm. you begin to unpack, which we're not going to unpack all no, of that. So no, we're just picking and no. choosing a couple of things here. I mean, I've just told you guys about a golden tent. So at this point, <laughs> if you're like, what the hell? I, look, I, I, I get it. Yeah. Uh, but um, if you've got any questions about that, yeah, like, if you're like I, I, what's this just golden ask. tent business? I don't get it. Please ask. I yep. love the questions. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, that's how we make content. Like if you guys tell us, uh, I don't really know what that's about, then we go, yep. okay, yep. then exactly. we can unpack. But exactly. if you guys don't tell us, then we're like, oh, they're cool with it. Yep. Let's, yep. let's that, keep going. That's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so I guess at this point then, we've had Holy Thursday, which then brings us to Good Friday. Um, and as you've just said, you know, we have an empty tabernacle here where we walk into a church and you notice straight away the tabernacle's empty. Yeah. And, and that or like immediately just makes you go, oh, this is not the usual. This is yeah. different. Something something is definitely very different from the moment you walk in. You'll also notice that a lot of churches will cover mm. statues and crucifixes um, as well, which you might be able to speak to. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the fifth week of Lent, uh, we cover all of our statues and crucifixes. And um, the idea is that, um, one of the ways that we kind of that we worship is through our senses. You know, we see things and and we're drawn to uh, to worship. Well, even those things then are kind of obstructed from us, and so our senses are sort of big fancy word here mortified. Yeah, <laughs> uh, our, our senses are, are are sort of you know they're they're, they're put through through difficulty. You know, it's no longer as easy to look upon the crucifix and see and 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 just be sort of taken up in that scene it's you can no longer look and see the blessed mother and and you know as, as a catholic and be like oh wow there's there's mary in a, a statue of mary that i can uh, that i can look at and and and, and ask her intercession for you know or, or or there's an image of of jesus doing you know um baptized being baptized or you know like like all those things are covered and it becomes for, for, for us catholics it becomes really stark because we're we're used to that sort of stuff, mm. you know, and and so it's a really big thing for it all to be covered. It's it really kind of deprives us of of the beauty and the creativity that we're used to seeing in the church. Yeah, and all those yeah. opportunities that we then use to be able to enter into deeper prayer. Right, right. They're sort of distant or removed. From yes, us. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which is hard. Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. Um, I find Good Friday really hard to mm. digest. Find it a really difficult pill to swallow, and I think. There's probably also like there's an element of of me that wants to just not be so vulnerable because it like really if we were to be completely open to all of Good Friday it's heavy it's really heavy so I know a part of me just wants to protect myself which is you know why I I, I struggle and I have certain limits <laughs> that I can go to. Yep. Um, but I do know that most Good Fridays tend to have a bit of a theme and it's not because I've pre-planned a theme. I just sort of enter into it and realise a particular thing has caught my attention and most of my meditation will sit around that particular thing. Mm. Um, some years that's been the focus has been things like, you know, the mercy of God and mm. just how great that is and the love that he has for us. And other times it'll be... Um, 
it might be challenging because I'm my focus is on well my sin is also responsible for his death and that can be really heavy um and then other years I also recall just meditating on mother Mary you know who had to endure watching the passion and death of our Lord and then also to the others who were around at the time who didn't believe um and that makes me then want to pray for all those who don't believe as well so each each sort of Good Friday has a different thing. Yep, yep, sure. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what this year has to bring. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, I think one of the, the the key scripture passages for me on Good Friday is is Matthew twenty seven, which is the crucifixion. There's a part of that chapter where Jesus is offered gall mixed with myrrh, and um, this was an alcoholic painkiller given to victims of crucifixion to attempt to dull the pain. And, and Matthew gives us the detail that Jesus is offered this drink and and Immediately when it touches his lips, he rejects it. He knows what it is. It's this moment of absolute love. You know, in all the pain and agony he's going through, he's still got more to give. Mm. He's not satisfied to take the painkiller. There is more still to be done, more to atone. And I think that's really the linchpin of Good Friday is that Jesus pours himself out as he lets in the horror of sin and suffering of the world. I can remember reading um, Jesus of Nazareth, the second volume of Jesus of Nazareth from um, uh, Pope Benedict XVI. And Pope Benedict is sort of, he writes those books in a very accessible style, but in this particular chapter he's talking about various historical theories about Garden of Gethsemane and a few other things. And and then it's almost like he stops and he has this real, you can almost see in his writing, it's like he stops and he realises there's something deeper to say here, you know, than just the historicity of this thing. There's something important here. And he starts to talk about what Jesus would have experienced. Mm. Everything that he was drinking into himself, all the suffering and mm. darkness and pain and sin of past, present, future, all of that there. And then he stops and he goes, my sin formed part of that terrifying chalice. And it's just like, Oof. Mm. oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, I do sort of like, oh, I used to do this little exercise with my, my first year students when mm. I was first year forming. Yeah. I used to say to them, um, um, whose sins did Jesus die for? Oh, our sins. Whose? Ours. I, I'm sorry, it's still not the answer I'm looking for. Whose sins did he die for? <laughs> our sins. And they're getting quite indignant, you know. It's like, they, he died for our sins, Father. <laughs> Still not the answer I'm looking for. I'm sorry. And you can see them at a lot. You're not helping them, are you? <laughs> yeah, no. And 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 eventually one of them comes to the 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 penny drops for one of them and, and he goes, Oh my sins. He died for my sins. Because mm. it's so it rolls off the tongue so easily to say, Yeah, Jesus died for our sins. It's so much more palpably felt when we go. He died for my sins. Yeah, you know, I yeah. I bear some responsibility. Yeah, you know, and Jesus still loves me more than I could ever possibly imagine. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, it's so awesome. It makes it personal. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. Mm. Um, and I think there's a there's also a a, a Marian dimension here as well. And I, I say this realizing that we're an ecumenical podcast, and there's a Marian dimension to this that I, I invite people to consider, which is that. You know, every Good Friday, the Passion from St. John is read, and 
St. John gives us this beautiful Marian sculpture to contemplate. He, he writes of Mary at the foot of the cross, not just as a passive observer, but as one whose heart is pierced by sword. You know, it, it, it almost brings things back full circle because at the infancy, in the infancy narratives of Matthew, um, one of the phrases that he has is the child and his mother, which is a jarring phrase even in Greek. It's, it's as jarring as what it is in English. You know, we're not used to hearing the child and his mother. It's normally, we would say, the mother and her child. Mm-hmm. But Matthew says, no, the child who is prime yep. and his mother. Yep. What what Matthew is, is driving at is what what happens to the child happens to the mother mm-hmm. too. You know, and, and and that's what John really reveals here is that as 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 the son lay on the cross suffering, there is Mary. You know, when he is exiled, she is exiled. When he is uh, is is persecuted, she is persecuted. When he is crucified, in her heart, she is pierced. And and, and so we have a have this mother given to us, given to St. John, who represented us at the cross, the foot of the cross. We have this mother who, she really gets pain. She gets rejection. She gets sorrow. Like, she she gets it. You know, so when we're, when we're asking for help, for intercession, for prayers, like, Mary, please pray for me. It's like, well, she gets it. She gets how sad I am, or she gets how happy I am, or she gets how... What you know? Insert emotion here. She gets it. Yeah. You know, and uh, um, yeah. So, but ultimately, um, you know, there's there's one other thing that always gets me. It's 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 um, the thief. <laughs> the thief gets you. The thief gets me. In the Gospel of John, Which one? Uh, the 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 thief who asked Jesus for redemption. Jesus, remember me when to your kingdom mm. and, and traditionally this man is known as the thief who stole paradise mm. <laughs> which i think is kind of sweet yeah and uh, yeah. in many ways he stands for us yeah. uh, flawed but meant for so much more than flaws yeah yeah and so good friday ultimately reminds us of our worth you know we're, we, we are not worth silver or gold no nothing so tawdry we are worth the blood of god made man yeah which then brings us to holy saturday um, so despite the depth of Good Friday, I suppose Holy Saturday is probably the one I struggle with the most because on one hand, I know what's just transpired the day before and there's a, there's a sadness and a gratefulness that comes along with that. Um, but when you're trying to stay in the journey, it makes it like it's really challenging. It's really challenging because in the here and now, I know what came after I know that there's a resurrection. So trying to stay in that, within that journey and not sort of jump ahead because it's uncomfortable to stay in this space yep. is really hard um, because this middle space between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, it feels a bit empty. Like, yeah. you know, something, something horrible, uh, traumatic, but also something that we needed and that was – you know, profound happened on Good Friday and then we've got this day where it's like, well, now, now what? Yeah, <laughs> now, yeah. now we wait. Do we, yeah. what, what do we, what do we do in this space? Um, and so I guess something that I've been trying to do in, certainly in the last 
few years at the very least is try and find as much stillness as possible because that's what I'm trying to run away from. (laughs) (laughs) On Holy Saturday, I'm trying to run away from being still, but that's what I need to do. So trying to put as much stillness as I can. And when you have an Easter holiday where everybody's off, school's off, public holidays, nobody's working, everybody's traveling to come together as a family, it Mm. is exceptionally hard to try and find stillness when you're preparing for, you know, a a community-like event that's about to happen. But even just pulling away for a few minutes just to come back to that space of interior stillness, Mm. I've found that that's been really, really important for me because it constantly reminds me that I'm still in this journey and, you know, don't jump ahead. There is something wonderful but don't jump ahead. It's There's a journey to be had in the here and now and to be present in that. Absolutely. Mm. I guess um, one of the other things that jumps out at me for Holy Saturday too is Joseph of Arimathea. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, you know, when you're reading, I don't know about you, but it kind of takes me a bit left field when I'm reading the Gospels and you read through this heavy stuff and you're like, okay, yep. Now it's coming. And there's this Joseph guy just shows up out of nowhere. Like, what? Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? Why are you here? Yeah. Like, where did you come from? And, you know, some of them describe him as being a secret disciple and others say he was a member of the Council of the Sanhedrin. And But, like, what? Yep. Where, where were you? Hmm? How closely were you watching? Like, where were you? Yeah. What kind of impact? Yeah. What's your story? Like, where... Where and why? We don't know. We know. just we don't have answers. Isn't but it, it just yeah? But yeah. it just like wows me that he just sort of comes out of almost nowhere, um, and then asks Pilate for Jesus' body. So he's he's one of the councils um, councillors who, who who just didn't consent to what yep. was happening, yep. and so he then goes before Pilate and says, "I want to take down Jesus' body. Give me, give me his body." And Pilate's like, "Yeah, okay, no worries." Mm. But that in itself would have been such a risky move. It's it's a, it's a gutsy move, isn't it? It's a risky move. Yeah. As far yeah. as we know, he's gone up by himself. Who knows if there was someone else with him. But also, like, for the other members of council, they would know he's just done this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That would have been... Absolutely. That would not have been nice to be able to work with after yep. that. So who yep. knows what happened there. Career suicide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Political yeah. suicide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True that. What I, but what I love about him is his courage and his prudence mm. and his almost diligence to be able to act, to just do the next right thing. It's like where everybody else, when we're sitting with Good Friday, there's almost like a paralysis that takes over where you're just like, whoa, heavy, deep, awful, horrid, don't know what to do, stuck in this paralysis. But then Joseph comes out of – Joseph Arimathea comes out of nowhere and goes, okay, well, we did that. Like that that happened. That was on us. We did that. It's clear as day. We just killed the Messiah. So the very least we can do is prepare his body for burial and we need to do it quickly because the Sabbath is almost upon us. He's just like gone there. He's gone to the next step <laughs> yes. where the yes. rest of us are like stuck and yep. paralyzed. He's like, yep, get it. And not without like it, dismissing it but just gone to the next step. And he's used his position of influence. He's used his wealth. He's used his smart to do the next right thing. That to me just screams 
masculine brilliance. Yeah. Like just screams masculine leadership right at that time. And in my own personal experience, I've experienced that with men before where there might be difficult things that are going on or challenging things that might be going on. And some of us can get, you know, male and female can get mm. stuck and just not know what to do with that next thing or, you know, stumped by something or whatever. And the number of times that I've seen men who have just been able to go that little bit further than what any of us were able to see and go, okay, well, yep, that's that's a problem. That's an issue. But you know what? The next right thing is this. So yeah. this is what we're going to do. There's a sense of relief. Yeah. Yeah. That comes about like, oh, someone actually thought ahead. Like, oh, thank you for that. So, Joseph of Arimathea, 10 points. <laughs> Do you know what? I've never, I, I don't think I've ever really thought that deeply about Joseph of Arimathea. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever really, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm full disclosure, I'm so stealing that for a homily. <laughs> you got to stop stealing my ideas for homilies. <laughs> I'm going to get paid. That's. That's fantastic. That's really, really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's pretty cool. Yeah, cool absolutely. Dude. Know nothing about him, but from the little yeah. that we know. That's cool fantastic. Dude. Well done. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Padre? Holy Holy Saturday. Well, Holy Saturday for me, uh, the exalted. And, and, and right now there are some people who are like, bless you. Uh, <laughs> so, it's good and tight. So when I say the exalted, I mean... It's it's a hymn that's sung at the beginning of of um, or towards the beginning of this 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 Easter vigil that we celebrate this ceremony of light we call it uh, this beautiful Paschal candle a big candle there that normally has a beautiful design on it and and uh, you know, it's it's I'll point you a, a I'll paint you a bit of a picture later on as to what it looks like but the exalted is a hymn that's sung towards the beginning of that ceremony and it's just so beautiful it it really talks about the mystery of the redemption about Jesus Jesus death and his resurrection and it's so brilliant it has these phrases in it oh happy fault that won for us so great a redeemer our birth would have been no gain had we not been redeemed oh necessary sin of adam destroyed completely by the death of christ this is our victory anthem. You know, this is the anthem of the resurrection. Jesus has not only died for us, but he's risen again for us, and he calls us to rise with him. And so to paint you a bit of a picture of what Holy Saturday looks like, there's a fire outside. Not an accidental not, so, one. <laughs> so not an accidental one. Not like a, not like a, a yeah, exactly. Uh, so there's a fire outside that we actually meant to, light yeah and uh uh it's outside the church and the fire is blessed and from that fire the celebrant risks life and limb and uh by lighting the paschal candle from the raging fire uh when you're wearing um polyester vestments and everything it's it's like <laughs> uh, so <laughs> hello uh so it's it's so there it's, could be an accident so there fire. could actually be an accidental fire but to this day i've not seen one yeah. so hooray Doing good. um so uh, we, we, we light the Paschal candle from the fire and then we, proceed, we, we process into the church with the Paschal candle and, and, and the church is in complete darkness. Mm. And, and we sing three times uh, at the back of the church, middle of the church and the front of the church. We stop and we sing uh, the light of Christ. And, uh, and then the candle is 
placed on its stand, the exultant is sung, and it's just, it's it's so dramatic, you know. And and the when the exultant is sung, the lights are flooded on, and it's it's so fitting, in so far as you know the the you're proclaiming the light, and the lights just you know they're on. It's, mm. it's awesome. I think to help kind of get a sense of of the day of Holy Saturday itself, mm. there's a section of a reading from a homily from an ancient author. Um, we don't know who he was. No idea. Just ancient author. <laughs> he says, Awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. I think that's the core message of Holy Saturday is, O sleeper, it's time to get up. Yeah. It's time to rise. Mm. You are no longer dead in sin because I have saved you and now time to rise. Clasp my hand, rise and come. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Which brings us to Easter Sunday. Now, we're not going to go into too much because, you know, there's a whole other episode to come. we got an episode Easter coming. Sunday. But we got to say something about Easter we do. Sunday. We do, so absolutely. What's, yeah. like, what's something that's jumping out at you for Easter, Easter Sunday? <laughs> Easter eggs. Easter eggs. Okay. Definitely right. Easter eggs. We're going there. Uh, we're going there. <laughs> we're going there. Uh, Tell us about Easter eggs. It's, it's interesting though, isn't it? I mean, you know, why do we have Easter eggs of all things? I mean, I think we've kind of lost the symbolism a little bit as a yeah, culture. Yeah. So what's this idea? Well, I think that they're, they're a symbol of new life. And, and 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 that's exactly what's being communicated at Easter. Uh, we often hear it said in songs and trite cards, you know, we are an Easter people. Well, what does that actually mean? Mm. You know, what does it mean to be an Easter people? It means we're a people of baptism, a people of resurrection. In baptism, we have died with Christ so that we can rise with him in glory. Easter eggs. It's all, it's all in Easter <laughs> yes, eggs. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's all in Easter It's all in Easter eggs. <laughs> Love it, love it. How about yourself? Ah, uh, too many, too many things to say. Um, one thing which I've mentioned on the podcast before is Mary Magdalene at the tomb. Mm. That's something that's continuing to sit with me. But also just partic- because of the culture and where it's at at the moment too, I'm just noticing the role of the women and Jesus' encounter with the women. So like even thinking about Mary, like it was a woman who – called on him to perform the first miracle at the wedding feast at Cana. And then it was a woman, um, a Samaritan woman, that he told very, very clearly to that he was the Messiah. Like no room for any other kind of error. And nowhere else does he make it that explicitly clear that he is the Messiah. And he does that to a woman. And then again, in both Mark and John's gospel, we see that he appeared to Mary Magdalene first and mm. asked Mary Magdalene to go and tell the disciples. The apostles of the apostles. Yeah, which yeah. to me is just like, what? Like these are all very big moments yeah. and they're all two women, which in the culture that we have at the moment where, you know, supposedly Christianity is a oppressive religion for women Mm. this just makes me go that's not jesus though like you look at the scriptures itself that's not jesus because you see his encounter with women exactly right here it actually sounds more like he's empowering women than anything else it's not just being ambivalent about it he's actually being um and trusting them with a lot yeah and so i guess that sort of resonates with me because of the culture but going back to mary magdalene just 
the fact that in one of the accounts there, she's unable to identify the risen Lord mm. until he calls her by name. Yeah. That's really powerful. It's like we're so caught up in the darkness of sin that it's not until the resurrected Lord, after having overthrown death, calls us by name individually and personally that we recognize who he, who he is and then through him we remember who we are. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's when he calls us, it's, it's, as you say, it's like we remember. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, it's like we've been trapped. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to steal something from Jordan Peterson here. Jordan Peterson, please don't sue us. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, like it's, 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 it's a bit like the Lion King. Uh, you know, the, the, um, uh, Simba is stuck in, in the land of Akuna Matata. You know, he's stuck in the land of no responsibility, all, you know, do whatever I want. The land of licentiousness, along with Timon and Pumbaa, he's, he's hanging out with a pig and a meerkat, uh, you know, and, and, and he's, 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 he's just leading a life of no substantive meaning. And it's only when he's, he starts to feel the weight of that lack of meaning that he begins to look for some kind of legitimate answer and he has his father appear to him and he says, remember. Yes. Remember mm-hmm. who you are. Well, we remember who we are when Christ calls us to himself by name. And you know what? He's always doing that. Yeah. If only we have ears to hear. Yeah. 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 So there you go. There is a <sighs> longer than usual episode. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Holy it Week. Yeah. Right. It's Holy Week. <laughs> it's Holy Week. There's a lot to cover. <laughs> There's a lot to cover. Exactly. Hopefully, there was something there that um, either resonated with you, or perhaps was a different perspective or a different mm. angle, or yeah. something that you can take away and maybe walk into this Holy Week with for you to be able to meditate on. And and as always, we love hearing what that might be for you. So please let us know if there is something that's stuck with you, what that might be. If you'd like to share that, you can do that on the Living Fullness Facebook group or you can also send us a private message on our social media handles as well. Beautiful. So before we go, that truth, beauty and goodness. Well, uh, for myself, it's been um, uh, something very beautiful has been that – I've been celebrating Palm Sunday, or I've celebrated Palm Sunday in my parish uh, last Sunday, and 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 I'm getting ready to celebrate the other uh, ceremonies, and and that's that's really exciting to do that for the first time in a parish that I can say has been entrusted to me. So, yeah. so that's 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 really really cool. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. awesome. How about yourself? Mm, for me, it's been a book that I've been. Uh, using that was recommended to me by Virtue Ministries Prayer Coordinator Grace Mori. Mm-hmm. It's called Lenten Healing, 40 Days to Set You Free from Sin. It's by Ken Kneipman. Kneipman? I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, so sorry. Um, but it also has references uh, to the works of uh, Dr. Bob Schutz as well, who's a um, a therapist in America. But it's just been powerful. Like, oh, wow. yep, every day there's a reflection and it works through a particular vice and then it works um, also then goes to a particular virtue that combats that vice. But in each reflection asks you to work through a particular 
emotion or thought or something linked to that particular reflection and then a memory that's associated with it and then reworking um sort of figuring out what that memory has taught you Mm. and what of that is good and what of that is not healthy what does that mean for your relationship with god and then reworking some of those things as well so powerful powerful stuff that's wonderful yeah can recommend for anyone who wants a Lenten journey for next year. It's not dated, so you can use it during Nice, the nice, nice. Yeah. Great job, Ken Knightman. Yeah. 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 Smash yeah. it. All righty. Well, thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of Living Fullness. We will be praying for you as you entered more deeply into the Holy Week. And until next time, all of our love and praise. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Living Fullness. We hope that in this episode there was something useful or helpful or something that blessed your life. If that is the case, would you please consider sharing this podcast with someone, perhaps who will bless their lives too. Please also subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review so that others can find the podcast too. And join us over on our social media, Living Fullness on Instagram and Virtue Ministry on Facebook.